everyone. Welcome to Christ Community Church Online. I'm Andrea and this is Sarah and we just want to give you a huge thanks for tuning into service this weekend. Feel free to use the online chat feature throughout the service to engage with other people watching service with you. Even though we're your on-camera service hosts, we have some great people behind the scenes that monitor our chat feed right now. It's crazy to think that Christmas is right around the corner, right, Sarah? It is, and it's so exciting. With that in mind, be sure to mark your calendar for our Christmas Eve services. We'll have in-person services on the 23rd at 5.30 p.m. and 7 p.m. And we'll also have in-person as well as online services on the 24th at 2.30 p.m. and 4 p.m. Be sure to check out our website in the coming weeks for the link to sign up. As we get ready to worship God, we encourage you to lean in and participate no matter where you are. Yes. And again, thanks for tuning in to Christ Community Church Online. We hope you enjoyed these next few moments of worship.
Praise the Father, praise 
Heavenly Father, we are just so thankful for this moment that we're able to, to spend time with you, God, and just to, to be able to lay down the concerns and worries that are in our lives and just be able to lay down those at your feet, God. Because you are the King of Kings, you are the Lord of Lords, and we can count on you always. No matter what we're going through, God, we just lay that down to you because you're Lord of all, God. We're so thankful for you, for who you are. It's in your name we pray, amen. If you're just tuning in, I'm Sarah and this is Andrea and we want to give you a warm welcome to Christ Community Church Online. What an incredible time of worship that was. Yes, yeah, so good. We value generosity here at Christ Community Church and part of our DNA is sending and supporting missionaries around the world to live out our mission of restoring our broken world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. A couple of ways you can worship through your giving is to text CCC Rochester to 77977 or simply click the give link on your screen. We are so grateful for your generosity. If this is your first time joining us online, welcome. We are thrilled to welcome you to our church. One way you can get plugged into the life of our church is by filling out our online connection card. This is a great way for us to help get you connected here at CCC. All you have to do is click the connect link on your screen or in the Facebook post. We look forward to connecting with you. If you would like prayer at any time during the service, simply click Request Prayer and one of our hosts will be available to pray with you right then and there. Also, if you need prayer at any point this week, there are many opportunities to receive prayer too. You can check these out on our prayer page of our website. Thanks again for tuning in to Christ Community Church Online. Years ago, Yvonne and I were part of a church that had as its key value a single word, one word, and that word was grace. And the mission statement of that church was this, engaging culture with reckless grace. They defined grace this way on their website. We believe in the scandalous grace of God. Grace is outrageously unfair, ridiculously extravagant, and unashamedly the center of the gospel and it sure beats judgmentalism, legalism, and all other isms as well. Grace always gives second chances, third chances, and never stops giving chances. And grace has Jesus written all over it. Grace makes people nervous because they are always so worried that someone is going to take advantage of it. But that's what we like about grace. You can take advantage of it. Now we're gonna leave those words on the screen for a few moments. And I want you to take a moment to read them to yourself, to embrace them. And I thought at this point of, it would be nice if I could give you one of these, a mint. And I would ask you in this introduction, if we had done that, that I want you to open up that mint and place it in your mouth. And if you had done that, I would encourage you to then begin uh, to enjoy that mint, to savor it to make it last as long as you could and to challenge you not just to bite down on it, but to get every bit of delight you could from it. Now with that mint in mind, I want you to do that with this word grace. Throughout this message, I really want you to savor it, 
to suck on it, to get a tremendous amount of delight from it. One author wrote these words. Some have labeled my message as cheap grace. I have a friend who calls it unfair grace. I like that. But I found another person who called it vulgar grace. He goes on to say, in Jesus, God has put up a gone fishing sign on the religion shop. God has done the whole job in Jesus once for all, and he simply invites us to believe it, to trust this bizarre, unprovable proposition that salvation is in him and him alone, and there is no earning it. This all hinges on that word grace, this, this thing called the mystery of Christ. Yes, it's crazy, and yes, it's wild and outrageous and vulgar, but it is good news the only permanent good news there is, and therefore I find it absolutely captivating. Grace. Again, I urge you to savor it, to take pleasure in it, to delight in it, to enjoy its sweetness and to get joy from it and to be gra grateful for it. Andy Stanley wrote a book entitled The Grace of God. And in the last chapter of that book, listen to what he says. While I've been writing this book, there's been this little voice in the back of my brain whispering, but what about? What about obedience? What about disobedience? What about repeated misbehavior? What about bad habits? What about justice? What about repentance? It was tempting to, to, to conclude with a chapter on the benefits of obedience and the consequences of sin. After all, we can't have people running around taking advantage of God's grace. But I chose to ignore that little voice because all the whatabouts are irrelevant to a discussion of grace. There is no connection at all. To add that chapter to a book on grace would be to make this book about something else. I'm not sure there is a word in the English vocabulary for what that would be. Perhaps almost grace. But almost grace is like almost true. And if something is almost true, it isn't. Let me frame it this way for you. The whatabouts and the what-ifs do not change or impact the what-is. The whatabouts, the what-ifs do not change or impact the what-is. And the what-is of the gospel is one word, and it's grace. The gospel message hinges on the word grace. It's stated for this, uh, this, this way for us in Ephesians 2, 8. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. I like the Passion Translation. My wife kind of got me hooked on the Passion Translation. And it states that verse this way. For it is only through this wonderful grace that we believed in him. Nothing we did could ever earn this salvation. For it was the gracious gift from God that brought us to Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. Grace and grace alone. In Luke 15, we find the parable of the prodigal son. And the title is a bit misleading. Because it's not a parable about a son. It is a parable about two sons. And Jesus makes that clear in verse 11. This is a story about two sons who were invited to a party, but neither of them felt comfortable attending the party. And as we shall see, the reluctance to go to the party was rooted in a shared misunderstanding of their father. 
Now, the circumstances for the telling of the parable is the filter from which the parable should always be interpreted. And here's the deal. Good people couldn't understand why Jesus was spending so much time with not so good people. And the good people were convinced that Jesus should not spend any time with those not good people until they changed their ways. And that's why the good people uh, in verse two said, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And verse three tells us that Jesus told them this parable. In response to what they said, Jesus told this parable. Now, up front, I, I want you to know that much of what I'm going to share with you today comes from four or five resources, but primarily two. And they're two books, two of my favorite books. A tremendous book written by the late uh, Brendan Manning titled All is Grace. And that perhaps my favorite book right now, another favorite, is The Grace of God by Andy Stanley. And sometimes I quote them directly, sometimes indirectly, but make no mistake about it. I'm incredibly appreciative of their insights in the text that we're going to be looking at and the word grace that we're going to be talking about. And the timing of this parable, the timing of this particular message is worth noting. Thanksgiving is now behind us. And, and in Thanksgiving, we took this attitude of gratitude because we were so grateful for grace and God's uh, uh, goodness toward us. And Christmas is just around the next bend. And it reminds us so profoundly of what? Of God's grace and his goodness to us. Now, as you know, the parable of the lost son is really uh, not about the sons at all. The main character in the parable is the father. He's front and center stage. And even when he seems to be off stage, he is there. And the storyline is all about the absolute lavish love of the father. So we're going to look at the sons and then come back to this matter of grace. We first are introduced to the youngest son, whom we're going to call the rebellious son, in, again, Luke 15, starting with the 11th verse. And this is what it says. And Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And the father divided his property between them. Now, you know the story. Uh, the son gets the cash, makes a dash to go somewhere, anywhere, but far away from home and from his family. And he's going to go off and make a life of his own. And as you know, it didn't go well. It didn't end well. And he loses everything. He has nothing. And if that wasn't bad enough, on the heels of losing everything, a severe famine uh, hits that country and he's in trouble. And he hires himself out to a farmer who sent him out to feed the pigs. And he didn't make even enough money to satisfy his hunger because at one point he thinks about eating what the pigs are eating. And it says these words, and no one gave him anything. Now, if this were a play right then and there, the audience listening to Jesus would have stood on their feet and applauded and cheered because that's exactly what this jerk of a son deserved. And if we're honest, we'd probably do the same. But the story, as you know, doesn't end there. And the pivotal moment for the rebellious son is where it says, when he came to his senses. When he came to his senses, he realized the only hope he had to survive this famine and to live was to go home. And that would mean a couple of things. Swallowing his pride and letting his dad know that he was wrong. So he puts together and memorizes this apology statement 
Basically, he's going to ask his dad for forgiveness and then ask his dad if he could have a job as a servant. And after he writes that and memorizes that speech, he begins the trek home. The best line in the story is verse 20 where it says, and while he was still a long way off, the father saw him, felt compassion for him, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. One author called this the day God ran. And with that, the son gives his rehearsed speech devoid of any authenticity or any emotional heart in it. And the crazy thing is he gives this speech and the very next verse starts with these words, but the father said. What happens is he's giving the speech to his father and the father has cut him off mid-sentence. The, the dad is not interested in an apology. And if we're honest, many of us would be all about the apology, wouldn't we? We'd also like to see some groveling if we were the father, some proof of sincerity, perhaps a period of time to make sure the son is really sorry. You know, kind of a trial period to make sure there's actually been a change of heart. And most of us, if we're really honest, would say that we stepped back and stepped away. We put some emotional distance between ourselves and the son that might be there for a very long time. But don't miss this part of the parable that Jesus is telling. No one in the audience that day would have predicted the father's response to his wayward, rebellious son. It says this, beginning in the 22nd verse. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he now is found. And they began to celebrate. Now I want you to know, the audience that day was stunned. This is not how it works. What goes around comes around. You reap what you sow. Some are appalled, others incensed. What the heck? There's a verse I like, and it says this, Proverbs 19, 22. What a person desires is unfailing love. Another translation says it this way, everyone longs for a love that never fails. And I love this rendering of this verse in the International Standard Version. It says this, human beings long for grace. We want grace. We desire mercy. We want forgiveness, we want a second chance. And for the audience that day, that was a tough pill to swallow. It was a lot to process. And Jesus doesn't even give them time to breathe because the story's not over because now we're gonna see the story of the older son. Verse 25 says, meanwhile, the older son was in the field and when he neared the house, he heard music and dancing. We will call the older brother the religious son. Now, this older son is a good boy. He never overslept. He woke up, got up, washed up, and made his bed. Each day, he would bring a pad of paper to the breakfast table so that he could write down the list of things he needed to do for that day and maybe things that he needed to do later in the week or the following week. The older brother said his prayers, ate his vegetables, cleaned his room. 
He said, thank you. Yes, man, I can, will do. But the older son wasn't at the house when the younger brother showed up on the front lawn. Where was the older brother? He was exactly where we'd expect him to be. He was in the field, working. He's actually working harder. Why would I say that? Because since the younger brother left, the older son's been doing double duty. It hasn't bothered them, though, because he usually had to clean up after his little brother anyway. So now the little brother's just out of the way. And how do you feel about his little brother? He felt he was a no-good, do-nothing, lazy bum who seldom, if ever, followed through on his chores. It had been a long day, a productive day. The sun was uh, beginning uh, to set. And the older son is hungry, so he makes his way home. And he's walking on the way to the home place. And while he's still a long way off, he, he smells something. And, and he can't believe what he's smelling. He's smelling barbecue. He, he says even out loud, I can't believe it. Dad hasn't done, he hasn't grilled for a long time. He picks up the pace. And he, as he gets closer to, the, to home, he hears something, the faint sound of music, and it sounds like a crowd has gathered. And as he gets closer, the text says he heard music and dancing. Dancing. How did I miss that when I was serving Baptist churches? I should have been all over that. But when he comes over that last hill and he can see the home place, he can't believe his eyes. There are so many people, donkeys and camels parked everywhere. There are lines of people waiting for food, waiting for drink. There's even a dance floor marked out uh, near the barn. And the smoke is just coming off the grill. And he's kind of giddy. Holy fatted calf. What's happening? What's going on? And he sees some people he knows. and He waves them over to see what's going on. And then they say these words. You haven't heard? Your, your brother's come back. What? Your brother's come back and your dad is so happy he's throwing a big party for your little brother and everybody's been invited. You got to hurry up, wash up. It's going to be a great night, man. And, and the older brother's just almost lightheaded. He can't, he can't connect the dots. He can't believe his ears. My, my brother is back and dad's doing what? And this is for him? He's absolutely beside himself. In fact, he is seething and he refuses to go in. And the more he thinks about it, the madder he gets. Unbelievable. Has dad completely lost his mind? Word gets to the father and, and that the older son is outside, that he's not coming in. The father puts down his food, his drink, and he goes out to talk to his oldest son. But before he can even get a word out, the older brother is all over him. His veins are sticking out of his neck. He's so mad. He can hardly, hardly articulate his words. He's spitting mad. He's spitting all over his dad. No mask, no social distancing. Governor Walls would be so upset, there'd be a fine. And the son says to his dad, Dad, what the heck? That, that son of yours humiliated you. He shamed our family name. He threw, threw out half of what we, we've been building for generations. And you, you give him a party? And the father's like, son, son, son. He's your brother. He's come back home. We need to celebrate this. 
you gotta come in, you gotta join me. Your brother would love to see you. No, no, I'm disgusted by him. I'm ashamed to share the same last name. I'm not gonna talk to him. I'm not gonna celebrate his return. And dad, when he walked off that property that day, he was as good as dead to me then, and he's good as dead to me now. And how would, how would the father respond to that? Son, son, you, you've always been with me. I'm, I love you. I'm so proud of you. But I've, I've welcomed him home. And my dream was that we'd all be together. And you and I have always been together, but that we'd all be together. My heart's desire is for you to come in and to celebrate. Your brother was lost and he's found. I've got my son back. I've got my sons together again. I'm just really happy. Here's, here's the deal. Both sons thought that the father's response would reflect what they deserved. Both sons thought that their dad would take into account their behavior. Both sons were convinced that their performance would be considered. But here's the deal. The father's story is, isn't about behavior. There are not any whatabouts in the father's story. What the boys had or had not done was irrelevant. And we know this because of the father's words at the end of this parable. The father says, we had to celebrate because. Because why? Again, don't miss this. Why did the father respond this way to his younger son? And why would the father celebrate and so soon? Why is there no conversation regarding the lack of respect for his parents, the lack of honoring his father, the hurt that he caused his dad? What about the public embarrassment of the family and extended family? And what about the wasted inheritance? What about all the whatabouts? The father said, we had to celebrate and be glad. Because, because why? Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And that was it. That's the end of the parable. And for us, there's so many loose ends that we don't understand that we're upset about. Again, to remind you that, that Jesus is responding to the charge of why he welcomed sinners and ate with them without requiring them to get their act together first. Why? Because God celebrates first and foremost restored relationships. And we want to make it about so many things, don't we? we? We would have demanded first and expected first up front laying out a plan to earn the Father's acceptance. Proof of change of heart. Punishment for offenses made. And definitely restitution. But here's the deal. When an individual accepts God's unconditional offer of forgiveness, the party starts right then and there. It was the break with mankind in the garden that broke God's heart. So why are we so surprised that God celebrates restoration? Two brothers, two stories. Which brother are you? You may have a younger brother story. 
And you're thinking right now, yeah, Greg, that sounds really good, but you, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what kind of person I am. You may have an older brother story. You're angry. You don't like it that the brother gets a free ticket. It seems too easy and not right. You've worked so hard. You've done the right thing. You've chosen well, and this is not fair. But let me close with Andy Stanley's words because I think they're spot on. You see, there's a third story, the father's story, God's story. And in God's story, he's not impressed or with or distressed by what you've done or what you think other people ought to do. In his story, those things are completely irrelevant. In God's story, you are the focus of the celebration. Not what you didn't do, not what you've done, it's about you. You were lost and, and have been found. You were dead and now you're alive. You were blind and, and now you see. And you said yes to his offer of grace and that's the best news God will ever receive about you. You've come home. And you gotta know that in your story, you're gonna continue searching for a reason why God should love you. And you gotta know in your story, you're going to continue finding reasons that he shouldn't. But here's my suggestion. Give up your version of your story and embrace his. In his story, he loves you no matter what you've done. In his story, he doesn't love you because of what you've done. In his story, he could not love you more. He will never love you less. And this is the story. This is a better story. This is a true story. It's a story of grace and the grace of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for grace. We thank you for pursuing us. We thank you for embracing us. And we thank you for offering us your love and your affection and your faithfulness, even when we don't deserve it. Even if we're the younger brother and we've went off to a foreign country or we were like the older brother and we were home, but we were, our hearts are still from you, away, away from you. We're grateful for grace. And it's our prayer, Father, yeah, that you know that we love you and we're thankful and we're grateful. Amen. Thank you for tuning in and joining us today. You can continue to stay connected with us throughout the week by following us on Instagram and Facebook at CCC Rochester. By simply giving us a follow or like on our social media platforms, you can help us achieve our mission of reaching the unreached. Absolutely. And that's what matters most. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you have a great rest of your day. We'll see you next time.